0: Hey, this is GraveMind. I felt like putting a disclaimer at the start of the podcast as well. This episode, we talk about health states and a lot about drugs and medicine. And I just want to say, don't get medical advice from podcasts. You have doctors for that and pharmacists to go to. Always do what your doctor says or your pharmacist suggests and make sure they are in a professional setting when they do so. That's what they're there for. Don't listen to random people on the internet talking about health advice. And none of what we talk about in this podcast should be considered medical advice. It is only us talking. Thanks.
1: Hail, salutations, and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the GNA podcast. Games, nerds, and alcohol, where Gravemind likes to interrupt. How are you doing? Did sir? you burp Did you burp during the countdown? I did. I had I, I suppressed <laughs> it a little bit,
0: you know, in my throat. He's like he's like, one,
1: uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh I'm doing good. How about you? I am. I'm doing pretty damn good. Uh, I'm happy to be in Florida. I thank God every day that I I, gr- I wake up. It's like ah, it's great to be in Florida. Can go that up.
0: that makes sense because I'm happy to not be in Florida. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a cold weather person. I don't like yeah. and Florida's like muggy and nasty and you have all those Florida men there that are just constantly like hitting people with squirrels and saving puppies from random alligators that just
1: happen across the street you know you know that was actually one of my high school teachers <laughs> what? yeah I, I, the saving the puppy from the alligator I mean th- there could have been another man in Florida that did that but I remember <laughs> that it was actually one of my high school teachers I believe he taught uh, he taught history.
0: Yeah. Well, now uh, it probably wasn't your teacher. It just happens to be a daily occurrence there in Florida. <laughs>
1: it very well is. Uh, but what I'm happy about Florida is, you know, I, I get muggies. Not my my favorite thing. You know, right now it's not snowing. I just have to deal with ice because I'm in the northern part of Florida. But I'm happy that I'm allowed to go outside. I'm allowed to walk around. There's some people that aren't allowed to do that.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You're happy to be in Florida because you don't have to uh, deal with uh, lockdown stay-at-home orders. That's right. That's why you're happy. Well, Arkansas doesn't have one of those, so yeah, that's good. I guess I can be, yeah. And um, we'll be in Colorado at the end of the month, which I'm very excited about. And although, <laughs> uh, funny story about that, they had a, excuse me. They had a uh, a color-coded system to deal with COVID, um, you know, ranging from, like, green, blue, yellow, red, whatever. And then everyone started getting to the red section, and they were like, oh, crap. What do we do now? So they added a purple section after red. So now there's a purple section. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they they aren't closing any of the ski resorts or anything. Well, they're closing the resorts, but none of the uh, trails or anything. Because, like, I mean, you're outside. You're probably going to wear a mask anyway. So, why not?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Fudge, we were in um, November. We did the honeymoon. We ended up doing an impromptu one in Asheville, uh, North Carolina. And it was, like, high of, like, 40 and I wore the mask outside just because it kept my face warm.
0: Well, like, uh, that's a big reason you wear a mask in those kind of climates is to warm the air as you're breathing it in. And, and that's another that's that's kind of the main reason that people don't like masks is it, it's not that it you can't breathe in it. It's that people aren't used to breathing in warm air. So it makes you feel uncomfortable and it kind of makes you feel like you can't breathe. And that's why yeah. that's,
1: that's, yeah, it's a rather uncomfortable thing, but let's get into the finer uh, and better things in life, like alcohol, like fine whiskies. Yeah. Which you got there in that, uh, that crystal glass.
0: I have, I keep getting a bubble in my throat. Um, it's from Jim Beam old tub Uh, it's actually really good Uh, $20 whiskey Um, Jim Beam like I said it's 100 proof let's see if there's an age statement bottled in bond so it's at least 4 years Uh, no age statement though so uh, bourbon whiskey at least 4 years 100 proof Bottled and Bond, Jim Beam. It's good stuff. Uh, if you're out there and you have access to some old tub, get
1: it. So 100 proof old tub Jim Beam label whiskey. Is that, yeah. is that smooth yeah. going down or is that burn like fire? Uh, Hold on. That bubble just keeps
0: getting in my throat. I don't know what to do about it. Drink more. There's a little bit of fire to it. Not too much. A lot of cherry. And, um, it's almost like a little bit of cinnamon in it. And then right at the the tail end of the flavor notes, there's like, that's where you get the barrel. And then Just kind of fades away. It sticks around though. The flavor of it, it's good whiskey. Um, I've had uh, Jim Beam bonded. It's a, it's probably the same whiskey. They probably just put a different label on the bottle and call it something different. But I, I've had Jim Beam bottle, bonded. It's been a while ago, but I don't
1: know. I like this stuff. It's good. It's cheap. So what is this bonded thing? I've never actually heard of something being bonded. Okay. Bonded whiskey.
0: Um, there's certain federal rules that you have to follow to call your whiskey a bonded whiskey. One is, is it has to be at least four years old, you know, aged in a barrel for four years. Um, another one is, is it has to be at least a hundred proof, uh, I'm not sure on that role if they can go over 100 proof or if they just do 100 proof because that's the cheapest way they do it, but it has to be at least 100 proof. I know um, it has to be the same grain bill and the same master distiller year over year over year for those four years to call it a bonded whiskey. So, so say, say, uh, you have a distillery and you have your master distillery and he's going to start a bonded line. Um, he starts it, you get your first year of aging going and then your second year and then your third year, but your master distiller leaves in the fourth year at that point, I'm kind of unclear on the rules, but, as far as my understanding of it uh, is either you can call those first 3 lines bonded but that fourth line because it's a different distiller you can't okay and and those are like federal laws there's a whole federal law book on bonded whiskey i'm not like i know the general basics of the rules but i'm not i haven't studied them so i, I can't tell you exactly how it works but that's the general basics is it has to be the same green bill the same master distiller four years in a barrel and
1: 100 proof all right see i've never been a fan of the really high ones like what's it uh wild turkey 101
0: that's actually a really good whiskey um budget wise uh if you're going to go to get into whiskey, that would be a primo starting place to get into it. Hmm. it is wild, wild Turkey 101.
1: I started with Jack Daniels, Black Label. Uh, th- that's probably the worst place to start. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, um, well, uh, maybe it was Jim Beam.
0: Well, Jim Beam's not bad. First Jim bottle
1: I bought was, no, it was a Jim Beam bottle. But of course, oh, I that was I was 21 and uh, and I bought that as my first bottle. But I'm pretty sure I've had Old Number Seven before. You got someone peeking on you? Yeah, it's my wife. She's bringing me food. Nice. Hi. Grave says hi. Thank you very much, sweetheart. You're
0: welcome. Love you. It Looks better than my party pizza.
1: <laughs> it's um, um, some. <laughs> She was going to make cornbread. It's some sort of. It's almost like a corn casserole thing.
0: That sounds good. Yeah, but uh, Um, anyway. uh, So you said Jack Daniels. So funny thing about Jack Daniels is um, they. It's it's kind of like I'm already kind of drunk, and I'm trying to remember these specific rules. Nice, Glenn, Karen, by the way. I'm trying to remember these specific rules that I've learned over the course of enjoying whiskey. And so with Jack Daniels, they have like, they were grandfathered into a system where they can call their whiskey, Tennessee whiskey. When their whiskey, I think no one else can call their whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, except for Jack Daniels, unless your, it was bought in the state of Tennessee. There's so, there's something weird about the rules about that. But anyway, basically how they get the moniker Tennessee whiskey is they take whiskey that's already gone through the barrel aging process and everything, and they run it through a charcoal filter. So all those flavor notes that you got from the barrel and everything, they're in the charcoal now. They're not in the whiskey. huh? and uh, that's why a lot of like like no one's going to give you flack in the whiskey community for drinking Jack Daniels but they're just going to say like if you're new they're just going to point you to better directions
1: okay well i i feel like i've gone better directions because for now i had to have to say my go to cuz i think it's now my third bottle that i've bought uh, was is bullet Bullet is very good. Yeah. And Uh, have you tried the rye? Mm, The rye is the one with the green label, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I have not tried the rye. I stick with, I guess that's the sour mash is the regular one. Or no, wait, no.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is a sour mash. Sour sour mash is... um, There's so many rules that go with this and I'm trying to remember it and I'm drunk and it's like, it's like, you know, when you get drunk and you're like, there's something on the edge of your memory Uh and you can just like, I know there's something about this and I want to talk about it, but I can't remember the exact specifics (laughs) of it.
1: I had a a friend who tried to prove to me that she was still sober by doing differential equations while she was intoxicated. And I was like, oh no, you can, I could do
0: differential equations right now if I wanted to, but... (laughs) it doesn't have to do with having a formula out in front of you where you can just work. The formula It has to do like, there's just something on the edge of your memory. And you're like, I remember something about this. I just can't remember the specifics about it. Um, The, the sour mash, I think is that they don't remove the previous wash when they move into the next wash think that's how you get a sour mash. But I could be wrong. Um but yeah, uh bullet is a definitely a great bourbon or whiskey. I need I need to look at the Bullet label. bourbon. Um is okay, it's bourbon. Um which there's rules about bourbon too. Uh, and they don't have to be made in Kentucky, but there are definitely rules about bourbon. I think it has to be at least a fifty percent corn on the mash bill. Uh-huh. and then there's other rules with it but
1: I always thought it had to be bourbon county Kentucky kind of like uh, no 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 cognac I thought it had to be from cognac France well technically because otherwise it's brandy
0: like but but it's the same thing with champagne it's like champagne has to be from the champagne region but uh-huh. everyone calls carbonated wine champagne yes so all it's kind of the Scotches same thing.
1: are whiskies not all whiskies are Scotches all yes. bourbons are whiskies but not all whiskies are bourbons. Yes, that's how. But yeah, it's- But
0: um the the Rye with Bullet uh is one of the better ryes I've found. Um it's it's like the bourbon but it's got like a spike to it. It's
1: kind of hard to explain.
0: Also, what's in your Glencairn? I, I, I noted the glass, but I never noted what you were drinking out of it.
1: So I, uh, as a wedding present, I got a, uh, a bag of variously aged, um, gosh darn it, I'm blanking on the name, Dogfish Head uh, 120s, and I got one bottle, and I have no idea how old this one is, of Worldwide Stout which is also by Dogfish Head from Cecil. So, I'm drinking it out of... Hmm. So, while Grave's having a hard time hearing me, I gotta say, so this Worldwide Stout is a very smooth stout. Uh, But we've talked about this before. I'm a little biased because I've had a lot of stouts. But... This one is just—it's superb. It's very dark, but what I really like about it is all the barley that they stick in this thing. Oh my lord, there's so much barley. Um, if you ever get the chance to go tour Yingling Breweries, uh, they actually like give you like um, malted barley, and in malted barley is like really, really good personally, I'd have to say that's one of my favorites. Uh, grains is malted barley but um well that was strange. just um, a bit.
0: no uh, I went to mute the mic because I was gonna hit my vape yeah because I didn't want it, that sound to be on the microphone. and after I unmuted the mic, just all my audio was just gone and i was like what <laughs> happened um so anyway <laughs> this might not be good for podcasting but please repeat what you were saying i saw you talking i could see your video yeah. just
1: <sighs> yeah i was i was going into it just a little bit since you were out of it um but it's <laughs> so it's the dogfish head worldwide stout um Cecil gave me a bunch of uh, dogfish head 120s that are like variously aged and we have no idea what they are like as far as along the age path. And then he had an aged worldwide stout in there Um, and it's one of my favorite ageables I guess because I don't know if all of theirs are Um, but I know that worldwide stout and 120 ages well. But yeah i love I love all the barley they stick in this thing. It's just
0: I've always been weirded out about the idea of aging something in glass, just because usually when you age something you you're wanting it to pick up notes of the container that it's in, where glass doesn't leach anything into the liquid um, yeah. but but then I also think like, I made a batch of mead uh last year that tasted like garbage when it first came out but six months in it was like great and so Mm -hmm. i'm not sure the 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 actual chemical chemical process that involves aging things in glass but i don't know it's just strange because usually when you think like aging you're aging to pick up notes from what what it's in like barrel aging you know
1: but yeah i don't know we we made wine before, um, Z and I, and the first time we had it, it wasn't as good. It still had like a, it was like a, what do you call it? It was a blush, a Ziffindale blush or something like that. Well, it sounds good. It is. Um, the one we made, I personally liked because it had kind of a zing to it, like a like mm-hmm. a sour kind of a zing to it and i like that about it it's not good for it because that's technically not a a good wine it's been ruined essentially if it has a sour taste to it but over time i noticed cuz we i drank it drank through it over ooh we had how many bottles Like, 20. (laughs) We handed out some of these bottles, but, like, we, like, drank through them. And I just started drinking them, like, on the show. Like, I literally would have, like, the bottle of wine sitting next to me, and I'd literally be drinking out of the bottle. Um, But I drank through it in over a year, and I'd have to say, like, towards the end, they got better and better. Like, just time. I I don't know what... It's it's the... Either it's settling out something or whatnot, but they...
0: Uh, but like same thing with cigars like a lot of people say that you can take a cuban cigar and put it in your humidor and age it and it tastes better after time and for some reason they say that cubans are the only ones that you can actually age maybe it's because they actually age the other types of cigars in the factory where cubans are so popular they can just ship them out the door unaged but yeah i don't know it's weird some something uh someone smarter than me or you should uh think about and get back to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, they should and they should so they should email us at uh, GNA podcast at gna in your one to let us know how stupid we are.
0: I'm so happy that you guys kept the original email address.
1: <laughs> I I mean it it, it it was it's clever. I like it like the GNA in your DNA. Like I like yeah, that. Yeah. I thought it was clever when I made it up, but <laughs> Well, you know what? I don't care what other people say. Like, that was a clever idea. I've got jokes. We've done commercials before that uh, we've written scripts on that I thought were clever, and I'm sure people thought they were the dumbest things ever. Yeah. But, you know. um. So, anyway,
0: what's the next one, thing we should talk about? Talk about the games we've been playing. Okay. Um. So uh doom eternal is out on game pass now so i've played through the first boss encounter of that game playing it on ultra violence mode um just because ultra nightmare sounds like an actual ultra nightmare and i don't want to have to deal with it i usually play games through the first time on the hardest difficulty um but doom doom is kind of like you're in it for the adrenaline rush of playing doom so, I, I I went with ultra violence mode, um. And I've died quite a few times, and then also the new expansion for WoW came out. I've been playing some WoW, and
1: why not? Now, I know they did. They went back to the relaunched. I I guess they relaunched, or I can't remember what they did. The vanilla WoW
0: yeah, servers. Yeah. Yeah, WoW Classic. They just uh, started from the beginning.
1: Okay, so they started from the beginning and now this is No, 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 no. A no. continuation of that? No, oh no,
0: okay. No, they're um, there's actually two different forks now. There's like WoW Retail is what it's usually referred to and then there's WoW Classic. And WoW Classic started from patch 1.1, like the very original WoW as soon as it came out. And they've been just going through the patches, and I think they just now reached the point where they released the last raid of classic Vanilla WoW. Okay. And then, Yeah, I
1: never got into that crack addiction.
0: And then the new expansion that just came out is called Shadowlands. It's the add-on to Retail WoW, which is after Battle for Azeroth, which was complete garbage. Hey, Craig just joined us. Oh, fuck you, Craig. I swear to
1: god. Well, hi, Craig. you <laughs> t- like How long is that? That that is a 24 25 minute delay. Fucking. <laughs> <heck>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now recording. Fucking. <laughs> oh, guys, you you just can't make that shit up. Oh my you, god. You can't that's make this great. shit up at all. <laughs> I thought someone was about to join us, in like, <laughs> <I started laughs> and like, I. It's like, oh look, Cecil's in. Unless, <laughs> unless of course, Cecil managed to change like some picture and made it Craig, and he's literally found a recording of the voice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mm. great.
1: So, uh, what so, have you been into? So I, um, oh, uh. I think we were. It was the week of our wedding. I got the Cecil had posted it. The Stadia. If you had been a a Google Play Music subscriber for so long, you would, you know, you just sign up for the what's it, the Elite Pass or something like that. It's kind of their excuse me. It's their Game Pass version for uh, the Google the Google Stadia. And so I signed up for it. Um, I let it. I've let it renew once. I'm going to give it a little more time. But I've been messing around in that. I queued up Destiny in there. I was able to pull over my cross save. But uh, I haven't really played the new one. Um, so, because I missed Forsaken and Shadow Keep. I've skipped over those, um, and I guess I'm jumping into Beyond Light at this point. But uh, I've I loaded that and I just kind of shot around and just kind of messed with the controller. It was the first time turning on the stadium but I started playing Sniper for Elite. And that's interesting. Uh, like it's kind of like an open world, the way the maps are. It's kind of the way Battlefield five started doing the campaign like you are put in an area and it's like go do this 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 and this and it's just this big wide area instead of being like a linear route you can just go at it any way you want to i mean it's not like ghost recon um wildlands where you know you can go about these missions in a different way and you know you have all this stuff um, all these different missions, it's more s- smaller subset of maps, but I, I've seen
0: some, um, sniper elite three. I don't remember the subtitle for that one, but, um, how's destiny? Cause I have refused to play destiny since I bought destiny Two. played it until I had the gear to do the raid. And then the first patch dropped. And then I couldn't do the raid because my gear wasn't good enough. And I was so salty about that. I was like, I'm never playing this game again.
1: <laughs> so I did Wrath of the Machines. I did Callus. And then that was it. I I stepped off. Um, I've watched the videos on how the story progresses into forsaken and shadow keep oh is there a story now i mean <laughs> as much as there can be apparently the stranger's coming back and in, in this new beyond light thing oh. um i definitely liked and i i mean i guess if you've never picked up destiny 2 at this point uh spoilers i don't know if this would be a spoiler for you Because you played Destiny 2 and you got to the first raid. Mm. I I got to the end of the The red. The Red Army didn't
0: fight them. Did you fight them? The the elephant dude. Elephant-looking
1: dude. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. They're... Yeah. And you resurrect the Traveler and everything. Yeah. Okay. So good. And then they kill the Messenger or whatever. Yeah. So the... I liked what they were doing with those triangular shapes, which I was like, that's the darkness. And I think they confirmed later on that that was the darkness. So I have a feeling that they've laid some groundwork. I've watched the cutscenes for Forsaken and Shadowkeep, and I feel like they've got something good brewing. And, they have the chance to morph that into something cooler. They've tied things in and into... I think 2 is kind of their... They've cut the leash and they're now doing what they want to do. And I feel like there's a chance that this is going to have more of a... Because I really feel like with like Vanilla Destiny into the first DLC was really rough. mean oh, yeah, no it was. It definitely Stranger, was. Stranger, hi, here's a gun, peace. No. Like, that is the biggest fuck-up in a storyline ever.
0: I would say the, the biggest fuck-up of Destiny 1 was the fact that I could solo that raid without dying.
1: Oh, very nice.
0: Yeah, the Crota raid I definitely did solo it without dying. That's like my proudest moment in Destiny was me doing that.
1: Yeah, there there were a lot of people that that did that cuz it was what vaults of glass and then it was like an accomplishment to three man it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then Crota came out and it was like as long as you had Gallerhorn, you could make Crota go into his bowing stage or whatever with one or two Gallerhorns. <clears throat> and then you just run up and just smack him with the sword.
1: Yep. Yeah, they definitely made it pretty simple uh for that one, but I I'm interested to see where this story goes. I don't really know if this Google Stadia account gives cuz I've I've heard that what they've done is that if you haven't bought the DLC, you get to play like the first like one or two missions and then it's like to play the rest, pay whatever it is.
0: It's a s- it's a Steam thing now, right? They're like exclusively like like they're partnering with Steam more than anyone else, is
1: what I understood. I guess. I mean they're they've got PlayStation four, Xbox, and Steam. No, no, I understand they think all, are all the platforms are cross play. But no, no no, I think they're all cross play. Yeah. Now um
0: As far yeah. as as far as Stadia goes though. Like, you heard about it when it initially released, but I really haven't heard anything other than what you just said about it since then.
1: Yeah, Cecil had talked about it. Um, I, giving it a go. I don't know how I feel about subscription-based gaming. Um, I, I definitely think that they'll make money off of me doing this because, in all honesty... The way things go now in my life, I don't have enough time to sit down and crank out games. I don't. I mean, I've got too much going on to really just do what I used to do in college and before that. So you could make the money off of me and sometimes it's a better investment if I really like the game to sometimes buy it. But the good news about subscription-based gaming, and this is the only benefit I see to it, is you buy a game that you don't have to buy a game that could potentially just Suck. Instead, you subscribe to this and like, well, that game sucks. Move on to the next. But they don't have... They, they have Sniper Elite and Destiny. And they had a lot of bunch of other games that are kind of interesting. That's not- probably the main
0: thing I like about uh, Game Pass is that now that they've expanded it to the PC, there's a few games that are available on the xbox for game pass that aren't available on the pc um but i like the that i can play on whatever system i want to like i can sit in my chair right here and play doom eternal or i can go sit in the couch back there and play final fantasy 7 on the tv because final fantasy 7 is on game pass that's actually what i was playing before doom eternal came to game pass <laughs>
1: How's that working with Final Fantasy VII? I heard they were going to do. Here's the release. No, it's go this far. It's in the not game.
0: the. It's not the remake. It's the original. That's what I've been playing.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> all right, yeah. I thought it was weird that that one was on Game Pass because I was like, ah, I can't see them doing that.
0: No, it'll be on Game Pass after Sony's done with their exclusivity.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, run. that's right. They are exclusive. Yeah, yeah.
0: bastards. Yeah. And I was I was playing Kingdom Hearts too uh, on Game Pass. That, yeah, which I finished the first one. I never played the second one until recently.
1: I went through and I watched all the videos on those because well, I've i always,
0: heard. I, I heard some of the games are like just extended movies, like with intermissions of gameplay. At least that's what I've of, heard.
1: That's what. Three's kind of shaping up to be is there's gameplay and then there's a lot of the the cutscenes are like the root story of the game. It's kind of it's kind of like uh Metal Gear Solid 2 or Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes if you played it on GameCube like I did originally. There's a lot of cutscene, there's a lot of story through that. There's not a lot of mm, I really don't feel like there's because, like, some games, like, you know how, like, they'll do nowadays, like, the dialogue in between the major breaks while you're playing the game ties into the story. Like, sometimes, like, Destiny, if you, like, rush too fast between missions, you would miss, like, lines.
0: Or, like, they they have a story that doesn't happen in the game. I hate it when they do that. Yeah. Like, WoW has done that. Like, a lot of um, the lore of WoW, they've put into their novel series, which is fine, you know, if you want World of Warcraft novels, that's fine. Just don't put the game lore into the novels to where you have to read the novels to find out what the hell's going on.
1: Yeah, and and that (laughs) kind of brings up an, an interesting point. So... um. I know you've only seen the first four episodes of the first season of The Mandalorian.
0: Are they doing that too? Are they putting lore into the novels?
1: So not necessarily the novels. I, Ever since they took the original novels and they turned them, I think they called them Legends? Yeah, they now,
0: basically took all the expanded StarCraft universe and said, that's all bullshit.
1: Here's what really happened. Yeah. So the so all that canonical work went down the drain. But with what they've been doing is they took um, the last season of so I guess I guess the word starts off is so Clone Wars, the animated TV series ran for I think it was five or six seasons originally, and they kind of like I think it ended with Yoda. It made the explanation of how does. Yoda and Qui, or not Yoda, Yoda and um, Obi Wan, talk to Luke as ghost spirits. Like, how does this happen? How do they do this? Uh, so they made the explanation of how Qui Gon managed to figure out how to do this. He found these people who have this connection to the Force, and how you can eventually like kind of like cheat death. So they made that explanation, and the series kind of like ended on a darker note. I think Dooku was coming in a little bit more. And then they started Star Wars Rebels, the kids TV, Disney XD kind of series. Um, they've progressed that. So this takes place after, of course, you know, the Galactic Empire becomes a thing. And they've progressed it to tie in Ahsoka Tana. Um. They remember how Cortana.
0: they Halos and Star Wars,
1: <laughs> Ahsoka <Katana>. good Cortana and, <laughs> and then they had uh what's it called um they had in uh Clone Wars of course they they showed you what happened to Maul they've brought him back into it, and they had Star Wars, the Clone Wars the final season come back out when Disney plus became a thing and so, they kind of tied in that into Rebels, and then Rebels ties into the Mandalorian. So, things that happen in one, you see a character, he basically like, steps from one series to the next, and then sometimes to the next.
0: I mean, if if you do it well, you can do something like that, but you so just- So far, they've done yeah, it well. Yeah. I remember watching the uh, Clone Wars animated series on Cartoon Network back when that was a thing. Um, I never watched the Rebels thing. I don't even
1: know what that's about. It's it's a kids thing. There, some kid finds himself to be force sensitive, and the Empire is taking over his home world. And he runs into a guy who's hiding as uh he's a he's kind of a rebel or a smuggler, and he's. He discovers this boy and he realizes that they realize that they're both Force sensitive people and he's a Jedi in hiding. And he decides to train the kid and they run missions. It shows you how the rebellion actually developed into a unit and a group, kind of like how they did that with uh, The Force Unleashed, except it's kids friendly. You know, The Force Unleashed is darker.
0: Well, the, the Force Unleashed was fun just because of how kind of off the wall you could be with your Force powers, just oh, doing yeah. whatever the hell you
1: wanted. <laughs> the Walk Force... the path of the Great Jedi. Like, I feel like you were Sith and Jedi at some yeah yeah, at yeah yeah both times.
0: <clears throat> so, um, since we're on this subject of the Mandalorian and stuff, um, any good movies or TV you've watched recently?
1: I mean, I've watched The Mandalorian. Um, that's been pretty good as far as, I guess you could call that somewhat like TV. Um, actually, a really good movie that I've actually seen. Um, and This may not be something that necessarily kind of relates to what we normally talk about, but uh, Hillbilly Elegy.
0: I saw that on the trending page of Netflix. Um, critics hated it. Everyone else loved it.
1: Which- yeah, critics. Critics are a bunch of dicks. That you know, you can't make white people look like they're impoverished. That's not allowed. Um, (laughs) although that's like
0: most of the white people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But it's it's a really good movie. I like it. It shows. It's got that theme that, uh, and I mean, it's a true story. It's got that theme of you know overcoming um, drugs addiction overcoming like your home situation becoming better than what your parents were in a very difficult environment so they don't i think the book definitely goes into more of about him from what i've read from people who actually like it not like the critics but like the fans and stuff but um JD's development in the movie the movie is less political than the book Um, I forget the director he just kind of tried to make it a little more apolitical but
0: well that's how you get uh, the audience
1: yeah well the wife wanted to watch it and I was I came in 15 minutes after it started and I, I ended up staying up late to finish the entire movie and then I watched it the next day with her from start to finish and then I think I watched it another time when I was like doing some chores around the house, I mean, I liked it. It was, it's a great story. It's very powerful. Um,
0: I might have to watch that. Yeah. I saw yeah. it. And, um, I don't usually take what the critics say for whether a series or movie is good or not, but I was kind of like, oh, I'll just watch something else late and maybe come back to it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and the. <laughs> So, the reason I brought it up, and I was laughing when you were talking about someone that came over um, drug addictions and stuff like that, (laughs) and I was laughing because I wanted to bring up what I had been watching on TV, especially today, is called uh, Hamilton's Pharmacopeia. Um, Okay. It's from Vice, um, and basically it's a documentary series of a chemist who also really enjoys trying new drugs (laughs) okay um and so far i've seen him uh go what was the first episode the first episode was md yeah mdma no no it was quaaludes he uh he went to south africa and was talking to (laughs) this group of people that were doing um Quaaludes mixed with diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl. There's a name for it, but I can't remember it left off the top of my head. Um, and I've seen this dude, like, he'll do anything. But he was in this, like, crack house in South South Africa uh, with these dudes doing Quaaludes. And the way they would do it, they would take a beer bottle and smash it against the wall and then they would take the um, the end of the neck of the bottle and rub it against some bricks to like grind it down so it wasn't sharp. And then they would stuff it with coffin- cotton balls, tobacco, marijuana, and then they would sprinkle hoiludes on the top of it. And then they would smoke it through the bottle. And he was like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have any of that. Um but it was really interesting because he like went through the whole like apparently there was some some guy, I can't remember the name of him, but um apparently he was in the employ of the South African government when there was apartheid going on. And he was researching quaaludes and apparently this dude was importing or synthesizing quaaludes in the country to basically distribute them to the black population in South Africa during apartheid. So they would be too like whacked out or just, you know, high to basically fight apartheid. And apparently this guy has been in multiple lawsuits and stuff like that and it's just it's really 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 interesting
1: okay and so what what does the quaalude actually do because i've never actually heard of that drug
0: a quaalude is an anesthetic it's um the the way they put it in the show it's a, a dissociative anesthetic and i don't know what it's supposed to actually do but what it was doing to the people in this show it was like they would take a couple hits and they would pass out and then (laughs) when when they came back they were just like kind of doing what you know whatever they were just you know they would do whatever they they had no inhibitions they would just you know do whatever they felt like at the time and it, it was really interesting it's an interesting show if anyone's interested in like the chemistry of illegal drugs and like the actual story behind them. It's it's a good show. Nice. And like, like it may sound like I'm advocating for illegal drug use, which I'm absolutely not. Um, it's just interesting to watch like how other cultures react to stuff like this. Like he's done mescaline in, you know, Native American cultures and how they used it for their religious ceremonies and um like uh psilocybin mushrooms and how those have been used in Native Native American uh rituals and stuff. It's just kind of a it's really, really interesting. And he also goes through the chemistry of uh, cause he's a chemist. He goes through the like the organic chemistry of how they take like these compounds that have been used for thousands of years in these native cultures and how someone in a Western culture took it and synthesized it into its pure compound and then it became a problem.
1: Yep. They they took, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, it's essentially cocaine and amphetamines and they started putting it in a lot of stuff like cough medicine and i think i think coke i think that is that is true i I never well like really confirmed that
0: we still use cocaine in medicine like um i've seen personally i've seen uh cocaine eye drops prescribed um There's not a lot of uses for it, but it's definitely there. It's a Schedule 2. We usually leave... funny. (laughs) Because marijuana is a Schedule 1, I believe. (laughs) Actually, in the states that it's legal, or at least in my state, it's a Schedule 6. They created a special uh, scheduling for marijuana, at least in my state. I don't know how it is in the other states. But it is actually lower than Sudafed in
1: scheduling. See, uh, let's see, what is it? Nope. Or is, maybe marijuana is a Schedule 2. Marijuana? Sorry for the clicky clacky. Oh, I got a blue keyboard too. Schedule... One because I know amphetamines they use, I think they still issue it to soldiers. No, or uh,
0: well, they give amphetamines to ADHD patients all the time,
1: they do, they give it to ADHD patients. Um, which, uh, see, drug scheduling DA. Of course I Well the DEA
0: is gonna schedule it as one. Federal scheduling is always uh marijuana's schedule one. But the states okay. have processed their own scheduling, which is also kind of against the law a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's like what like state versus federal well, argument.
0: The DEA has coded in their statutes or whatever that um state drug law cannot be less strict than federal drug law but in the states that have allowed marijuana use uh recreationally or medicationally they've kind of superseded federal law which is kind of a catch-22 like the state's Originally, it was meant that the states had more authority than the federal government, but the federal government said, oh, hey, to keep the sanctity of the union, um, you guys cannot pass a law that is less strict than our law. But we were just
1: like, no. Yeah, they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, you. I mean, you have to worry about feds. Like if you get polo, oh, yeah. if you if you oh, come yeah. across a Fed in places like Colorado, I'd worry with pot. No, but you, you even manu-
0: ac- manufacturers in those states still have to worry about yeah. the federal government coming and seizing their assets because it's still illegal yep. in the yep. country, even if it's legal
1: in the state. That's right. Uh, yeah, that thing you mentioned about uh, amphetamines with um uh adhd patients i feel like adhd individuals it does something completely it does something completely different to someone who does not have that problem like it, um, um, it 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 bridges a gap that a normal person has in their mind and then you give it to someone with an adh and it's a focusing agent in a sense is the way i would i would describe it some people it's a calming agent i guess if you're hyperactive i'm not hyperactive i'm more of inattentive. attentive so for me it's it's always more of been of a it allows me to zone in i honestly it's, it's kind of funny you know they talk about medicating people and and they show cartoons sometimes and it's kind of like you're dead to the world or like the person who loses their creativity because they're on drugs. And it's just like, "Mm, yeah, kind of, but, Uh, um,
0: so I, I've never personally been prescribed like Adderall or Ritalin or, um, Vocalin, any of the amphetamine class of drugs. But, um, I have heard, like, secondhand accounts of just how much it helps in the terms of, like, studying, you know, doing things for class, keeping your focus yeah. on things. And apparently it's, like, this just wonderful thing that I could not... and Because I've never had a problem with, you know, focusing on what I have to deal with. Um I've never had a problem with that, but just the second hand accounts of people that have been prescribed these drugs is just amazing it like a, apparently it's like a super drug like if you know what uh, limitless is as a series the movies and the show it, like it sounds almost on par with that if not like as supernaturally crazy as the drug is in that series it sounds like something that i don't know just it opens up this whole new path of learning that I I can't even understand from
1: not being in that mindset. It does. Cause when you think about if I put two things in front of you, one that you're highly interested in and one that you're not really interested in, um, but you know, you have to do, with the medication you can do both you can do the you can do the thing that you're highly interested in still you can do the thing that you're like i really don't like this but i know i have to do it without it you're checking out constantly like it's it's not perfect for me personally because i still have to pull myself back in uh sometimes sometimes i my mind wanders But without it, oh, Lord, my mind wanders just like just continuously. And then I take it and then I can like, all right, you know, like I know I need to focus on this and I can. And then without it, it's like, I know I need to focus on this, but it's like it it keeps slipping. Like people talk to me and like, I know I need to pay attention to this. And then it's just like your mind starts to go someplace else and then someplace else, and then they're like, oh, so, by the way, so what do you think? And you go, uh, uh, definitely a good idea. Which,
0: that explanation is really interesting to me, because it's like I said, I, I've never had a real issue with focusing on things that I don't find interesting. Um, like, If I have no other external stimulus other than what I'm supposed to be focusing on, yeah, I can have a real problem with it. But if I put on classical music and then try to study what I'm not really interested in, I can just go with it. I will study it until the classical music is done. And then, you know, it's good. But... I understand that some people don't have that external cue. Like like when I put on classical music, that's like, okay, it's study time. I got to study. But I know that people don't have that trigger. Like there's other people that don't have that trigger that says, oh, hey, focus on this. Even if you don't like it, focus on it. And it's just really interesting to hear the perspective of people that have ADD or ADHD that need something to help with that aspect. It's just really interesting to hear how much this drug has helped them and things like that.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's a really good drug. I just, I find it interesting that cocaine gives you like, (laughs) <laughs> all this energy, like, raises your heart rate. like, ha, 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 ha. And then you give it to someone who uh, potentially has all this energy. And it's just, like, bouncing off the walls. And it's just, like. Uh,
0: I've always thought that was funny about cocaine, too. Because cocaine um originally was developed as a nerve block. Like, when you think lidocaine, like, lidocaine. That's how it was developed. was from cocaine. That's hmm. how. All of your nerve block agents, benzocaine, lidocaine, all those things like that well, came from cocaine. It's kind of like it's kind of funny that to think that this thing that that numbs you so you can have your root canal came from something that basically just hypes people the fuck up so they clean their apartments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it. Drugs are drugs are funny. You know, they're kind of fucking screwy. Um, they are yeah oh especially like uh the the addiction rates that you get i mean of all the the stories that i've heard i was scared shitless when they gave me i think it's what's it called not not prednisone that's that's a steroid yeah uh what's it percocet percocet oxycontin uh oxycodone and
0: tylenol um the opioid addiction rate actually goes down dramatically when you use them as they are prescribed. There's been a lot of research into opioids and how they should be prescribed for pain and things like that. It's also weird that, um, we ended up in talks about drugs. Um, uh games nerds alcohol <laughs> i i mean i guess well, well, kind like, of relates well like i i'm like i'm going to be a pharmacist so i've been researching this topic for a long time now um as long as you use opioids exactly as they are prescribed um you have a low chance of being addicted to them when people have a high chance of being addicted to them is when you get people with chronic pain who have tried all the other options who, because uh, when it comes to chronic pain, opioids are kind of our last resort. We don't really want to go to op- opioids when it comes to chronic pain. It's just kind of like, we've tried everything else. Might as well try this. That's when you start getting opioid addiction. Um, so like, say if you get, uh, a prescription for a seven-day course of uh, Norco, hydrocodone and Tylenol, um, as long as you take it as it's prescribed, it's you have a relatively low chance of being addicted to it. It's just once it becomes a chronic thing that we have to treat, that's when it becomes a problem. And a lot of that stems from when these drugs were first produced, they they acted like, oh, these are wonder drugs, you know, they can just get rid of your pain. There's no there's no anzifs or buts. There's there's no side effects. It's just great. And then we started to realize that like um there are anzifs or buts. It's called overdose called addiction it's called heroin addiction you know it's it's a real it's a real bad thing um, that drug manufacturers went through doctors went through it it's like doctors back then when the opioid academic was just in its beginning stage they were just like yeah you know you've got some pain here's some hydrocodone here's some codeine here's some Oxycontin. And then now we're got we've gotten to the point where just people are like the Oxycontin's not enough. <laughs> and it, it's a bad story. It really is.
1: Yeah. And that kind of ties into the hillbilly elegy thing, is you know, that's what people started getting that's what a lot of them were on was pills. Mm-hmm. Like that's JD's oh. mom. JD's mom was popping pills because they were like giving it to patients and they're like the patient like the patient like one of the scenes was the patient was like getting um i think chemo oh yeah or yeah something yeah, like that and then and they were like and then she's like oh i i, I don't need that and then she charted it as patient took and then she went over the water fountain and popped the pills and you know oh yeah because um
0: cancer pain is a, a really hard pain to deal with. Cause especially if you've metastasized and it's in your bones, it's, it's all over your body. You've got pain all over your body basically. And, um, you know, your, your, your nerve endings, they don't know pressure from pain. So if you've got these tumors just growing all over your body, um, your nerve receptors are going to act to that pressure of the new growing tissue as pain. And so basically these people just have pain everywhere. Um, and it, it's something that's really hard to deal with. Like, you know, I, I've researched, uh, cancer pain for school and opioids are, I think they're like step three. um, Step 1 is like non-farm like you do like stretches and exercise and just pain coping mechanisms. Step 2 is like Tylenol and Advil and then step 3 is opioids and it's like going to that and having it long term is just a bad story. It's it's Uh, addiction rates, they're high. I I can't remember the exact number from what I studied, but they're high when you do opioids on that level.
1: What about, um, about like marijuana, THC, uh, CDB? Is there any, been any thing you've researched on that? All right. So CBD, for one,
0: there's not a lot of evidence for CBD by itself. Um, there is some evidence that it helps with anxiety and depression. Um, and then there's been some evidence for marijuana as a whole extract being THC and CBD together helping with seizures in certain conditions that produce seizures and then um thc and cbd extract in terms of like there's a drug we actually use that is based off of marijuana called uh marinol or uh, cannabinol um that is used for things like eating disorders stuff that makes you not want to eat Or you need to put on some weight, so you need to eat. Uh, It helps with things like that. Uh, Nausea and vomiting associated with cancer treatment is also prescribed for. There's a lot of preliminary evidence for those uh, two compounds together for a few different uh, disease states. Um as far as CBD goes, I wouldn't say there's enough evidence to say that it's effective for depression or anxiety, but I mean, if it's legal in your state, do whatever you want. If it helps you, could be placebo, could not. I'm not I'm I can't say. Um as far as it goes, you know, just stay legal. Do what your state allows.
1: Okay. So I got one more question about this since we're on this topic about drugs. Um, so I saw something had to do with oh, what's that tycoon? Carnegie? Jeff Bezos? No, I think it was it was around Carnegie's area era. Um, or who's who's the oil tycoon? Was that Carnegie or was that um, Rockefeller? rockefeller that's what it was it was about rockefeller's destruction of the um the drug or or the medicine field Uh, and so what the premise was of this is that so oil-based or petroleum-based medications was something he was trying to push and he created the um Actually, I'm wearing a shirt now. The American Cancer Association. Now, this is the American Lung Association, but he created that and he told doctors, you need to believe in this petroleum stuff. And if you guys go back to this herbal medicine thing, which was kind of like the foundation of our medicine at the time, you are like you're a bunch of crack uh, quacks and crackpots. So have they touched on natural versus artificial oh or- oh yes
0: oh yes um so the thing is is when you think about humans you think about chemistry you think about how good humans have gotten at chemistry like we create all these plastics all these artificial compounds all these you know, long chains of carbon atoms with different properties. But the thing is about natural products. And and there's one that we were taught about specifically called Taxol. Uh, um, Let me look it up actually.
1: See, this is an interesting rabbit hole that I would kind of want to go down for a little bit because you're you're studying medicine so I'd like to see like what they're teaching you and what you've come across in your own research
0: okay yeah so there's this drug called Taxol Um, is it's kind of like the when they talk about natural drugs or botanical products this is kind of like the stereotypical natural drug that they want to talk about just because of how effective it is and how much that we have not altered it like it's basically from its source it's effective um it's called taxol uh the generic is peclatexel and it is used as a treatment for breast lung and ovarian cancer and basically they just pull it from the bark of the pacific yew tree so just a tree they they uh they take the chemical from the bark and use it as a drug. You know, they they sterilize it, keep it clean, and make sure that's, you know, they put it in saline or whatever, uh, D5 or um, lactator ringers or whatever they give it in. I, I'm not sure. I would have to go through my different sources to find out what they give it in, but basically it's just a botanical extract that they use for these cancers that is proven effective through randomized clinical studies. And when they bring up this compound, the main thing they want to show us is that no matter how good humanity has gotten at chemistry or organic chemistry to make these like insane compounds that are just, like, the complexity of them is just insane. That nature, no matter what, will have a hand up on us in making these complex compounds. And, you know, nature just it comes up with just this crazy, like, organic compounds. That just, like, knowing organic chemistry, you just cannot even conceive of a possible path to just fit all these carbon atoms into the structure that nature has provided for us already. Um, And, and I'm not saying that to um, give anyone the idea that, you know, modern medicine is bad. Modern medicine is definitely good. We've come up with a lot of good things to help a lot of people in a lot of different States, but don't discount natural medicine or botanicals just because someone tells you to. There are a lot of things that nature can come up with that will help a lot of different diseases or problems, anything that you can think of. You, you just have to wait for the research. You have to see the research and see how uh, science has come up with, you know, what can treat what, and you have to just see you know, we, we've, we've controlled for this. We've controlled for, you know, the probabilities, the standards. We've controlled for everything. We just have to see what works in what. So, basically, if you have something wrong with you and you're thinking of trying something that is botanical or a natural drug, Look at the research. Uh, see who's who's done studies to find out whether this actually works for that condition and just, you know, go with the studies for now. You know, it, it seems like every year we the news comes up with another story that's like, you know, coffee... I'm just going with coffee here because I drink coffee every morning. Coffee... Uh, starts lung cancer and then you the the next month you have coffee helps with liver regeneration you know look at the studies for yourself look at the studies see what they came up with and make your own decisions that would be my best advice when it comes to botanicals and natural medicine
1: nice so uh, so is this something that they're actually like teaching you or is this just something of an oh, yeah. opinion you form? Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um you know, I'm not here like I just came here to talk about video games and drink. But um <laughs> it's also fun to talk about because I'm studying it and learning about it. Um We are taught to follow agil uh, <laughs> algorithms. We're taught to, you come to us, God, I can't even speak too much whiskey. You come to us with a problem. We see what your problem is. And then we go down the list. We start here. That doesn't work. We move to here. That doesn't work. We move to here, but that doesn't incorporate like the cutting edge research into things that, like, I'm still in school. There are probably, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds, maybe even thousands of papers that have come in just in this semester of school with things that have, you know, invalidated things that I might have thought were true at the beginning of the semester. The thing is, is whenever you have a problem with your health or your physiology, go to the research, do what they're saying at the time. Um, And also that's don't do what they're saying, do whatever you want. My political philosophy is do whatever you want as long as you don't harm others. But as far as I'm concerned, the research, the scientific research of drugs and health and human physiology is probably the best position you have of getting your health to the point where you want it to be.
1: Those are some very good words, Grave. Well, Grave, why don't you tell the lovely people where they can find you? (laughs) Um, You can find me on the
0: Discord. I don't do the, any of the other social media stuff. So if you want to find me, find me on the Discord. Um, also, I want to add that none of the things that I've shared in this podcast have been for medical advice or suggestion. They are all my personal opinion. There is no medical value in anything that I've said. And if you choose to do, follow any of the things
1: that I have said, then you do it at your own risk. There you are. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. We have taken that rapid fire, quick, quickly spoken disclaimer, and we've slowed it down for you so that you can't even miss it from a man from Arkansas. Spell it out. Don't hold us liable. Or him.
0: Yeah, don't hold me liable. Because I have a license. Or not yet. I will have a license in a year. So, I've said what I had to say on the subject. It's not... It's not viable medical advice. Just saying.
1: There you go. Well ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Blue Shark45, and you can also find me on our Discord, GNA Podcast, which you can find by going to twitter.com slash GNA Podcast and clicking on the pinned tweet that we have up there. You can also find me on Twitter as uh, Blue Shark45. You can find me also there on Parlor as Blue Shark45. And you can find me on a few other random Discords every now and then, like three-player co-op. Or, I don't know. Mulehorn Gaming. Sometimes. But mostly you can find me on the GNA podcast.
0: You can find them on Google
1: Stadia at. Uh, Blue Shark45, actually. <laughs> ah, yes. I, I don't play much and I don't know how it all works, but you can find me on there. So, if you want to play games on Stadia, you can hit me up there. I believe Destiny for now is just multiplayer with Stadia accounts. Eventually, I think they're going to do crossplay with all consoles and platforms. Platforms is a better word now. But yes, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of our show. It's been a long, long time coming. We have not had a show with me on it for a while. Or More me. importantly, we have not had a show with Gravemind. And more... And most importantly, there has never been the Gravemind-Blue Shark duo on the airwaves. And we'd like to thank Craig for eventually getting the memo and joining us (laughs) (laughs) at the comical moment that he did. Craig, Craig, you're the best. I love you, Craig. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Craig. You may make the tail end of this edit somewhat easy. But... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, and as always, have a good evening.